0: Enjoy the message. We got a few minutes here and we're going to get into the Word of God and uh, thank God for His presence already here in this place today as we've been worshiping Him and exalting His name. And today I'm going to continue uh, as the Lord leads me with this series I'm calling Revelation. Revelation. Remember, it's Revelation, not Revelations. No S on the end. Revelation. And I Started last Sunday and uh, kicked off a message uh, that I hope was encouraging to all of us from the book of Revelation. But I reminded you that this word revelation, is the word that we get, the word apocalypse. You've heard of that word before. and But that word, uh, don't let it scare you. Uh, that word actually means to reveal. It means to uncover. That's all it means, that you're revealing something you're uncovering something. And the book of Revelation is revealing and uncovering to us the promises and the prophecy that that point that Jesus is the Son of God and He is coming back again. I said He is the Son of God and He's coming back again. So the book of Revelation, it uncovers that, it, it reveals that to us. And I reminded you last Sunday that a lot of people, Christian people, they're They're intrigued by the Book of Revelation, but sometimes they 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 don't really dive into it and and read it and study it like it needs to be read and studied and and it's because sometimes they're they're scared or or the Book of Revelation can confuse them because of the uh divisions the, the symbols there. Uh, the the, the mysteries that are there, that are around that. But I want to just remind you again what I said to you last Sunday. The book of Revelation is not meant to scare you. It's meant to prepare you. And and the book of Revelation is not meant to confuse you, but it's meant to uh, bring comfort to you. The book of Revelation is really a book of hope and encouragement to all of us that, that reminds us that, that greater days are ahead for the church, that, that greater days are ahead for all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ today? Well, let me just encourage you today from the book of Revelation. You can have hope today because greater days are ahead for us. Hallelujah. Greater days are ahead for all of us. Amen. So in the book of Revelation, just to kind of review a little bit and get into the message today, we know uh, God, he came to uh, the Apostle John, one of his closest disciples, the one that actually looked after Jesus' Jesus's mother after Jesus was crucified and uh, rose again and went back to heaven. Uh, the Apostle John uh, cared for Mary until she died. And, and God comes to the Apostle John and gives him this divine revelation. And I reminded you last Sunday that this divine revelation came from God and came to the Apostle John during a time of great persecution against the church. And John was being persecuted. He was being persecuted. He was actually pastoring a church in Ephesus. He was preaching the Word of God. He was testifying of his faith in Jesus Christ. And guess what? The Romans didn't like that at all. And they began to persecute John. Just imagine this. They persecuted him for preaching the Word of God. And there he is in his punishment for preaching the word of God, his punishment for having a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. The Romans, they, they exiled him onto an island called Patmos. And while John was on this island called Patmos, God came to him and spoke to him a divine revelation that would apply to that present time there for John But it would also talk about future events that we know as the the end times or a lot of people call it the study of eschatology, the study of the last days. But God came to him and talked to him about his present situation and he gave him a revelation of some future events. And he reminded John and I remind you all again today, please hear me, that God spoke to this man at one of the darkest times for the church. And he reminded him that no matter how dark things may get in the present time or in future events to come, greater days are ahead for the church. Amen. Don't, don't let the darkness discourage you. Don't let the events that you see that are unfolding in front of you, don't let those things discourage you. You have hope today because greater days are ahead because Jesus, the Son of God, He is coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all looking forward to that? Amen. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you should be looking forward to that event, that future event. That could happen really at any time for the rapture of the church. Nothing's stopping that from happening right now. So here we go. While John here is on this prison island called Patmos, uh, Jesus comes to him and he he tells Jesus, or Jesus tells John he's got these, these letters, these seven letters to the churches. And John is told to write these letters to these seven churches. These seven churches are are actual churches in that area there. At that time, it was known as Asia. But if you were to study the map today, those seven churches would have been inland from the island John was on, and they would have been there in the area of Turkey. Now, not Turkey, North Carolina, no. Um, They would be in Turkey. That area there that would back then would have been known as Asia. And these seven churches... Jesus sends a message to all seven of them. There's letters that Jesus sends by John to communicate to these seven churches. And in these letters, Jesus has something different to say to every church because every church is different, right? And so Jesus has these seven different letters, and in these letters, he's he's commending some of these churches, and in some of these letters, he is criticizing some of these churches. Some, he does both. But he has a different letter for every church. And in the first church that we see here, I'm not going to be able to preach on all of these churches. I think maybe on some Wednesday nights coming up, I'm going to go back and kind of walk through each one of these churches. I think we need to uh, as the Lord leads. But the very first church was Ephesus. And the letter to Ephesus was uh, really a letter letting them know that they were a love-lacking church. They were lacking love. They were lacking their first love. In Smyrna, this church was a suffering church. And then Pergamum was a a faithful church somewhat. And then Thyatira was a sexually immoral church. And there's a a letter going to them, criticizing them and rebuking them and calling them to, to hear the words of the Lord and repent. In Sardis, this church was a spiritually dead church. And Philadelphia was a persevering church. And then the church of Laodicea was a lukewarm church, was a lukewarm church. Now, when you begin to study the book of Revelation and you kind of research some things, there's something I want you to know. The Bible scholars, uh, people that are a whole lot smarter than I am, they, they say that these seven churches, which the number seven represents completion with God, that these seven churches represent the church, completed church, the church in general. And some of them believe that these seven churches represent different time periods throughout our history. And the Laodicean church actually represents the last day church, and that would be the church today. The Laodicean church is church number seven. That's the final church for the final letter given by Jesus to them. And most Bible scholars believe that the Laodicean church, this lukewarm church, represents the last day church, would be all of us, the church before Jesus comes back to rapture the church. So with that being said, with with the Laodicean church representing us today, the last day church, I believe the Lord wants to say some things today and wants us to pick up and read this letter that is for the last day church, the Laodicean church. So here we are. Open your Bibles. Revelation chapter 3. Verses 14 through 22. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Now the angel, let me just explain that to you that the angel was a word there that represents the the pastor of that church or either the elder of that church, the leader of that church. Anyway, he is the one, whoever it is, whether it's the pastor, the elder, or or spiritual leader over that church, he's the one that is responsible for this church, and the letter goes to him, and the Lord calls that pastor an angel. Did you know I'm an angel? Amen. Amen. Somebody tell my wife that. Lord, help him. I've already got out of the gate wrong today. Here we go. To the the angel. Remember how that's worded. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus right there. And he's saying, listen, this letter is from me, the Son of God. This letter is not from anybody else, but he's describing himself. I am the Amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the ruler of God's creation. And he says these words, listen to this. He says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. God knows your deeds. He says that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, the church is saying this, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And the Lord says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, the eternal things, so you can become rich eternally, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, says the Lord. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that through the work of your Holy Spirit that you would open our ears and that we that have ears would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to our church and to the church. God, we know you got a word for us today. So Lord, I pray right now, God, a fresh anointing over my life and over the lives of everyone that is here and online today. God, speak to us. God, I pray you would encourage us Uh, God, uh, just speak, God, into us to transform us for your glory. In the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus we pray, Amen. amen. In this letter I just read to you, this is the letter that Jesus wrote to the Laodicean church, which is the last day church which represents all of us here today because we are the church. You're the church, you're the church, you're the church, I'm the church. The church is made up of people. So the Lord is speaking to all of us here in this letter. And in this specific letter here to the Laodicean church, I want you to see this, this, uh, this rebuke. It's a strong rebuke from the Lord to this church. He had nothing good to say about this church. When you begin to study the seven churches, when you get to the Laodicean church... The Lord has nothing good to say about this church. Other churches, he commends, he commends, he criticizes, he tells them to repent. But when he comes to the last day church, there's nothing good. He says at all. It's all a, a strong rebuke that they become lukewarm. And he calls them, he says, you're neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. How many of you know being lukewarm is not good? That is not good. He is not giving them a compliment just because you got a, a, a little bit of fire to you. That, that, he, he's saying that lukewarm is not good. And the church was lukewarm. What does that mean? What does that word lukewarm mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means no fervency, no spiritual fervency for the Lord. It means no fire for Jesus. It it means no passion. It means no zeal for the Lord. It means no commitment to Christ. It means a a church, a lukewarm church is a church that's trying to live connected to the world and connected to Christ and what happens is, is they become half-hearted and there's no passion or zeal at all for the Lord and they become lukewarm they become lukewarm because there's no passion, no zeal, no commitment they're half-hearted they're, they're partially connected to the, to the things and the pleasures of this world and they're trying to stay connected to the Christ and there's a pull going on and there's nothing for God there and the question is do we have lukewarm churches today? yes Do we have lukewarm Christians today? Yes. Are they lukewarm Christians in this church today? Yes. Yes. There's lukewarm Christians all over this world today. And the question is, what is Jesus Jesus saying to the lukewarm church? What is he saying? Well, let's look at the letter he wrote. I'll tell you the first thing that he says. A lukewarm church will be a disgusting church. A lukewarm church will be a disgusting church. How many of you know that spit is disgusting? Some translations actually say vomit. It is very disgusting. And here's what it says. I know your deeds, says the Lord. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Let me give you a little bit of background here. When you When you study the context of this area here where this church Laodicea is located, I want you to know that this church right here out of all seven churches, this was the most wealthiest church they had they had all the wealth in fact, in that city there Laodicea uh, they were very non, well known for their their trade, their gold they were uh their banking system people would come there for the banking. They had a, a great fabric uh, industry there with uh, wool. And then they also had a medical school there where they had actually uh, used the salve there to put on the eyes of people who had eye trouble, and it would help heal them. They were a very, very wealthy place. It was a wealthy church in a wealthy area. But here's what they had going against them. As wealthy as they were with all the banking and the wool and the salve, from the medical school, the water there, the water there was disgusting. And so they had so much money, they, they would pipe in water from a uh, place called Colossae. How many of y'all read the book of Colossians before? Well, they would pipe in water from Colossae, which was about an 11 mile track of piping. And they would send that hot water that was from Colossae. They had hot springs that were used for uh, healing remedies for the body. And that hot water would be piped in to Laodicea. And then they would go to another place that was called Hierapolis, And that place was known for their cold, cold water. And it was about six miles away. And they would pipe that cold water in to Laodicea, that cold, refreshing water that was so good when you were so hot and thirsty. You had the hot water coming from Colossae, the cold water coming from Heropolis, and it was all going here. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to the Laodicean church, he says, listen, you're you're, you're lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew that being lukewarm was disgusting to the Lord because... Guess what? Anything lukewarm is disgusting. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anything lukewarm. How many of you have ever drank water from a water hose on a hot summer day? Raise your hand. All right. When you drink water from a water hose on a hot summer day, if you've done that one time, you have learned a very valuable lesson. You let that water run for a few seconds before you put your mouth to it. You know why? Because if you crank that water hose up on a hot summer day, what you're going to get is not going to be cold water, and it's not going to be real hot water. It's going to be some lukewarm water, and it's going to be disgusting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you've done it for the first time. You remember how disgusting that water was. You know why it was disgusting? Because It's lukewarm. It's lukewarm. And we thank God we got some water hose drinkers in this church today. Praise the Lord. We got some water hose drink. I mean, I remember drinking from a water hose that had just been in a tank, stirring up chemicals to spray on the back, and we pull it out and just go to drinking right behind it. And let me just tell you this right here. If you've drank water from a water hose, you can survive anything. Praise the Lord. And I tell you this, there's science to back it too. There's the science behind it. Praise the Lord. Jesus was saying... In this letter to the lukewarm church, and he's saying it to the Christians, he's saying, listen, he's saying in this letter, the lukewarm churches and the lukewarm Christians are disgusting. And some, Here's why they're disgusting. Someone who has lost their zeal and passion for the Lord, they're disgusting to the Lord. What does that mean? It means someone that's never witnessing and winning people to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be lukewarm. If you're, if you're lukewarm, you're never witnessing, you're never winning people to Jesus. And Jesus is saying here that, that, you know what, you're lukewarm and you're disgusting to me. Someone that is half-hearted and living for the Lord, no prayer life, no time in the Word, no time for the church, no time to serve God. Guess what? That's the sign that you're lukewarm. And Jesus says that's disgusting to him. Someone that's relying on self rather than Jesus, somebody that says, you know what, I, I got this, I can handle this, let me just do my own thing in life, and there's no need for Jesus to help me at all. Uh, those people are prideful, and they're greedy, and Jesus says, you know what, they're disgusting to me, they make me want to vomit. Someone that is uh, making mockery of Christ with their life, those people are disgusting to Jesus, People, when I say make mockery of Christ, it's those that they, they really don't have no issue with sin. Sin doesn't bother them. Uh, they, they say sin is no big deal. You know, it's not going to hurt me to just dabble a little bit in this and a little bit of that. And, and what happens is you're, you're naming the name of Christ because you say you're a Christian, but you're living contrary to the word of God and you're living in sin. And Jesus says you're disgusting to him. People making mockery of Christ. Let me give you an extreme example of something that's probably going to break every heart in here today. In April of 2021, in a church in Illinois, a church. Now, this letter here from Jesus is to the church. And, and, and this right here is a church in Illinois, April 2021. I'm talking about a church that's making a mockery of Christ. The church is called Hope united methodist church hope united methodist church if you don't believe me you can go look it up later but in april of 2021 in their church they celebrated drag queen day it's not funny that they're making a mockery of christ that they're there and they're celebrating drag queen day and they have a drag queen behind the pulpit. A so-called preacher that is preaching a new way, a new thing is what the message title was. And they got drag queens that are actually leading that church in worship. They are making a mockery of Christ. And not only this church, but I will tell you, friend, if you will look and just see what's going on in the church in America today, it's happening all across our land. Churches are making a mockery of Christ, and they are disgusting, and Jesus says that they make him want to vomit. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, they make me want to vomit. They make me want to spit them out. And I don't know about you, friend, but I, I, I want to live a life that is passionate for the Lord. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I, I don't want to take sin lightly. <clears throat> Listen, I, I don't want to uh, miss out on my prayer time and the word time. I want to be in God's presence. I want to have the fire of God in my life. I don't want the Lord to come back and be disgusted by my life. I don't want the Lord to want to vomit when he sees my life. I want my life to be pleasing to God. How about you today? Amen. 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 And then a lukewarm church will be a deceived church. It'll be a disgusting church and it'll be a deceived church. A lukewarm church will be a deceived church. The church said this right here. This is how they replied to the Lord. I'm, I'm rich. am rich. We're rich, we've acquired wealth, and and we do not need a thing. But you do not. This is what the Lord said. You don't realize this, but you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, you've been deceived. You've been deceived by the the wealth that you see around you. You've been deceived uh, by not thinking you need a thing, by your own works. And you don't even realize it, but you're wretched, and you're pitiful, and you're poor, and you're blind, and you're naked. The Laodicean church. They said, if we have it all, they said, listen, we have it all. We have it all. We, we don't need you, Lord. We Listen, what do you need? We don't need anything. We got it all. We don't need nothing. They thought they were spiritually wealthy because their faith was in their riches and their hope was in their prosperity. Think about the last day church today. Their faith was in their riches. Their hope was in their prosperity. And Jesus says, "Listen, you're deceived. You're deceived. You don't even realize it, but you're you're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. And the church here in Laodicea was deceived. How many of you've ever been deceived before? Come on, you raise your hand. You've been deceived before. I remember one night in a football game at North Dublin. I got deceived. We played in the uh, playoffs." We were playing, uh, Aaron, you'll appreciate this. We played Jones Senior High School. I think it was the first round or second round of the playoffs, and we had them uh, pinned down and uh, like on our 10-yard line, and and uh, what a game. And my job was the defensive end, and my job was to make sure I went out here and contained anything from getting on the outside, and that was my job. And I remember that play when it unfolded. The quarterback came back like this right here, and he was just standing just like this right here, and everybody's yelling, pass, pass. And all I could see was that quarterback just standing there, not even see me. And I took off running, and I was just licking my lips. <laughs> oh, we're getting ready to have fun here. And about the time I got ready to hit him, what I didn't know was a play called the Statue of Liberty. And he had the football up like this right here, and a guy coming from that side on their team ran all the way around. And he, by the time I hit that quarterback, he grabbed that football out of his hand and went down our sideline. And he kept running and running and running. You know what I was thinking? He gone. (laughs) Thank the Lord somebody from our team called him. But you know what? It's not fun being deceived. It's not fun being deceived. And you know what? The devil will deceive you. He is the father of lies and he will come and he will deceive you and he will deceive you into thinking that that your wealth and your works, that they're going to make you spiritually uh, some kind of super Christian. I got a news flash for you today. Don't miss this right here. You can have great wealth and you can do great works and still not have Jesus. That's a word to the church today. You can have all the wealth, you can have all the works and doing great things and still not have Jesus. And Jesus said to this lukewarm church that was trusting in their wealth and their works, he says, my advice to you, take my advice. The wealth and the works that you're going, that you're going after right now, they're going to leave you spiritually empty in life. Listen to me, please. You know what Jesus was telling them? He says, listen, don't trust in your own wealth and don't trust in your own works. He says, buy from me, buy from me my refined gold and buy and get my garments and, and, and let, me, let me open your eyes. Because what you're looking for right now and what I can give you, you're never going to get what I can give you at Walmart You're you're never going to get what I can give you at the mall or through Amazon or whatever else. You're never going to be able to take your wealth and buy what I can give you because what I'm about to give you is going to be my gold, my garments, and I'm going to open up your eyes, and you'll have a testimony in your life that once I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. The Luke 1 church, they were deceived. They were deceived into thinking their wealth and their works would keep them from going to hell. What they didn't realize is they were wretched and they were pitiful and they were poor and they were blind and they were naked. They were spiritually empty. There's nothing spiritually in their life happening because they have locked Jesus out. There's nothing spiritually happening in their life because they have decided that they're going to trust in their own wealth and their own works, and they have locked Jesus outside of the church, and now because of that, nothing spiritually is happening in their life. There's no spiritual growth. There's no spiritual passion. There's no spiritual fire. There's no fervency for God. I want to tell you this. I heard a testimony recently about this church who had plenty of wealth plenty of wealth, and they worked hard with it. And I know their intentions were good. They had plenty of wealth. They worked hard. They built a new facility with a beautiful baptistry, and they were hoping that through the new building and the new baptistry that they were going to see some spiritual growth. They bought all new equipment for the church, the the praise team, the band, the equipment, technical stuff. They bought all new, hoping that through that equipment they were going to see spiritual growth. They thought the new building and they thought the new equipment would bring people to their church. In other words, they thought their wealth and their works would bring growth. And over a year went by. Over a year went by in that new facility with that new equipment, and not one person was ever baptized in that baptistry. Not one person. And all that remained in the church were just a handful of lukewarm Christians who sat there on their Sunday services. Here's what happened. They were spiritually deceived, thinking that their wealth and works could buy spiritual growth. And listen, a lukewarm church has no spiritual growth because a lukewarm church has decided to lock Jesus out. And what the church, what this church needed and what every church needs today is we need to open the door so Jesus can come in. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. We need to open the door so Jesus can come in. And my encouragement to all of you today out of this point here that you can apply to your life is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived thinking that your, your, your wealth and your works and, and your own strength that you can make yourself spiritually strong and you can be right with God. Don't let, any, don't let the devil deceive you to think you can be saved through your wealth and through your works. How many of you know there's people out there that believe that? Lord, help us today. Open the door to Jesus. A lukewarm church will be a dangerous church. Let me just tell you this real quickly. A church that is trusting in their own garments and their own gold is going to be a dangerous church. A church that has locked Jesus out and has become a Christless church is going to be a dangerous church. Here's what happens when we, when we decide that we can trust in our own garments and our own gold. Here's what happens when we decide to lock Jesus out. When churches stop preaching Jesus and only preach prosperity, that's a dangerous church. When churches stop preaching that, that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone... Through faith in Him and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father except through Him. When we stop preaching Jesus like that, the church is in danger. When churches stop praising Jesus through spirit and truth, we are in danger. The Laodicean church was a dangerous church. It was a dangerous church. If if you're taking any notes, you want to write this down. That word, Laodicea... It can actually mean ruled by the people. Ruled by the people. How many of you know today that a church that's ruled by people instead of Jesus is a dangerous church? Man. The church should be ruled by Jesus. You know why it should be ruled by Jesus? Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. It should be ruled by him because he's the one that died for the church it can mean ruled by the people. When we let people rule the church, that's when we start seeing churches standing in favor for abortion instead of standing up against and speaking against abortion and saying that we believe in the sanctity of life and every life is a gift from God. Amen. Come on. When, when we let people begin to rule the church, instead of letting Jesus rule the church, what happens is, is you start seeing churches stand up and they stand with those that are for abortion instead of against abortion. Abortion is murder. And, if, and, I, and God has got grace and mercy to forgive anybody that's been through that situation, but speaking God's word, that their life is a gift from God. When we let people rule the church, we see churches begin to start giving their blessing to same-sex marriage when we let people rule the church instead of Jesus. When we let people rule the church instead of Jesus ruling the church, that's when we see churches celebrating drag queen day. When we let people rule the church instead of Jesus ruling the church, we see a church that looks more like the culture than a church that looks more like Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. Listen to me, please. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the God of all glory. Listen, the church is not, it's, it's not the pastors. It's not the, the staff. It's not the council. It's not the elders and the deacons. It's not the congregations. The church belongs to Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose. And we need to open the door for him to come in and lead the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to be a dangerous Christian. I don't want us to be a dangerous church. We want to make sure that the door is always open for Christ. A lukewarm church, I'm almost there, Lord help me, is a deciding church. Is a deciding church. Jesus stood at the door and he says, and he pleads, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Picture this. Jesus is standing outside of his church. He's standing outside of his church, and he's standing outside, and he's locked out. He's locked out of his own church. How many of you have ever been locked out of your house or locked out of your car, your own house and own car? Yeah, You're not brave enough to raise your hand. I know. We've all been there. It's no fun at all, but can you imagine that Jesus, the one who died on the cross at Calvary for for the church, he's standing outside of his own church, and he's knocking because they've locked him out? They've locked Jesus out of his own church, and he's standing there knocking and pleading, here I am, here I am, I want to come in, I want to come in. But the church has to open the door church has to open the door for Jesus to come in. The lukewarm church has a decision to make. Here's the decision that we have to make. Lukewarm church, lukewarm Christian. Here's the decision that you have to make. I'm going to either let Jesus in or I'm going to lock Jesus out. I'm going to let Jesus in or I'm going to lock Jesus out. I praise God today that Mount Olive First PH Church made that decision years and years and years ago that we would be a church that would always let Jesus in. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I want to speak to any sinner friend that's here or watching online. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And he wants to come in and he wants to be your Savior and he wants to be your Lord. And my question to you today, sinner friend, is will you decide to let Jesus come in or are you going to continue to lock him out? Only you and the Lord can answer that question. I want to speak to every Christian here in God's house today and those watching with me online. Jesus is knocking on the door of every Christian and he's saying, Let me, let me in, let me in so I can use your life. You have locked me out. There was a time that there was some fervency and fire and passion and zeal for me. And God was working in your life. But now you've backed away. And I'm standing at the door of your life, Christian. And I want to come back in. And I want to rule and reign. And I want to use your life for my glory. What will you decide, my Christian friend? Brother, sister, are you going to let him come in? Or are you going to continue to lock him out and just continue To drift away and drift away. Jesus is knocking on the door of all churches in this land today and he's pleading. Can you imagine Jesus at Hope United Methodist Church in Illinois with a drag queen behind the pulpit? Or or even worse, Sunday after Sunday, churches where pastors stand up and they never preach the gospel. And he's standing outside the door and he's knocking and he's pleading. Here here I am! Here, here I am! Just, just open the door and let me come in. And I can change everything. I can change the people that are there. I can save people. The Lord is knocking on the door of every church in this land. Pleading, here I am, let me in so I can be Lord over the church. I hear people say this all the time. I've said it myself. Man, I I wish we had Jesus back in our nation. I wish we had Jesus back in our schools. I I wish we had Jesus back in our government. I, I wish we had Jesus back in our White House. And we do. We need the Lord Back in all those areas, but more than anything else, we need Jesus back in our church houses. Amen. Amen. We need Him back in our church houses. And He's knocking on the door, wanting to come in. Will we let Him in? He's knocking on the door of your home and He wants to be Lord over your family. Will you let Him in? You got to make a decision. He's knocking on the door of your marriage and He wants to put pieces back together and bring restoration. Will you let him in or are you going to lock him out? You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Are you going to open the door so Jesus can come in or are you going to lock him out? I hope and pray you open the door so Jesus can come in and save you and transform your life. He wants to come in and here's what he says. I I want to come in and I want to dine with you. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to feed you spiritually. He wants to clothe you with his garments of righteousness and and his garments of grace and his garments of, of, of mercy. But we have to make the decision to open the door so Jesus can come in and change us because that's what he wants is to change us. Which leads me to my last point, my final point, real quick. Pastor Kevin, if you'll come. Is a lukewarm church can be a different church, can be a different A lukewarm church can be a different church. A lukewarm Christian can be a different Christian. Jesus said in verse 21, "To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have overcame and sat on the throne, sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus said, "If we will open the door and let him come in, That we will be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Our life will be different. We'll no longer be walking around defeated and discouraged. We'll walk around as overcomers in Christ. And that we will be changed. We'll be different. Well, listen to me. When you decide to open the door so Jesus can come into your life, you will be different. When you open the door and you say, Jesus, here I am, come in, I promise you, you will be different. You'll become more and more like Jesus and conform to His image every day when you decide to let Jesus in. Guess what? You're going to walk different. You're going to talk different. You're you're not going to be the same person. You're going to be different because you have the Spirit of the Lord living in you. You'll be different. You'll be different. If you're not different, there could be something going on there. Let Jesus come in. So you can have a new beginning. How many of you would love a new beginning today? Oh, man. I'll never forget 2002, just that word. You can have a new beginning with Christ. I'm like, please. I'm ready for it. I plead for it, Lord. And you can have a new beginning when you open up the door because Jesus makes all things new. How many of you need Jesus to make some things new in your life? Man. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We need to let Jesus come in so people can be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to let Jesus come in so we can see people restored and renewed by the power of God. We need to let Jesus come in because he's the way maker and the chain breaker. He's the miracle worker. It's not a pastor or anybody else here in this church. Only Jesus can save you and change you and make you different. Praise God we can be different. We Listen, if you feel like you walked in lukewarm today, you can be different. You don't have to walk out of here the same way you came in. You can begin to pray and ask the Lord to, to fill you with a fresh fire in your life, a new passion for Him, to be zealous. You know what the Lord said the remedy was here? He says, listen, here's what you got to do. He says, first of all, know this. I don't want you to be discouraged because I want to vomit you out. I want you to know this. I'm disciplining you because I love you. He says that in the Word. He says, I love you. I love you, and I want you to be zealous for me. I want you to be passionate for me. I want you to be on fire for me. And right now, you're lukewarm. And so what you need to do, Jesus said, is you need to repent. You need to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for allowing my fire to go out. And here I am, Lord, and I need you to fill me afresh today. That I want to be used for your glory in a powerful way. How many of you want that for your life? Come on. I don't want to be disgusting. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be dangerous. I'm making a decision today that I want to be different every day going forward as Jesus continues to draw me near to him and conform me to his image. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Here's what I want us to do right here where we are. First of all, I'm asking you this right here. How many of you want to be hot for Jesus? Come on. We talked about the hot light the other day. How many of you want the hot light on? Well, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray right now. And I want you to make this your prayer. Jesus, I want you to come in. I'm letting you in. I'm letting you in right now. And I want you to save me if I need to be saved. And I want you to reignite a fire in me, Lord, that I used to have at one time in my life. I want you to pray that. Nobody looking around. Just bow your heads, please, all over this place. If you're here this morning and you want to invite Jesus to come in and be your Lord and Savior, that's the main decision you got to make right now. Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and the Lord. And if you want me to pray for you, that you would get your heart right with God through Jesus Christ would you just lift your hand and say that's me pastor would you pray for me right now God bless you ma'am you can put your hand down is there others would you be honest enough just to lift your hand where I can see it please God bless you ma'am I see the hand I see the hand I see the hand sir I see the hand I see the hand sir I see the hand thank you for obeying God thank you for obeying God hallelujah hallelujah Just another second or two is there other hands that need to go up that I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to save me. Those that are there that have lifted their hands right there where you are, church, I want you to pray because hands are up. I just want you to pray this prayer and just out of your heart just say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I know that without you, Lord, I am in trouble. I, I am... I'm headed to an eternity without you. And I want to just give you my life right now. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I deserved it, but out of your love, Jesus, you died for me. Even while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. And you shed your blood, and it's through your blood that washes my sins away and forgives me and cleanses me and, Lord, and redeems me. And I believe, Lord, that you were laid in a grave and you were, you were raised from the dead and that you're alive and you sit at the right hand of the Father and there's going to be a day that you're going to come back and I want to be saved and I want to be ready. So, Lord, right here, right now, in this service, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I repent. Come on, friend, you raised your hand. Just, just talk to him like that. I repent of my sins. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you raised your hand, would you just say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it to him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I am saved. And heaven is in my future. And from this day forward, there's a new beginning with you, Jesus. And I thank you for what you've done for me. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, just to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill me, fill me, fill me. And use me for your glory, God. And give me a peace knowing that I have made things right with you for your glory. Praise God. Praise God. And now to the church. Lord, we pray that we would all open the door right now. Come on. I don't care if you've been serving the Lord all your life or you just made the commitment right now. Just pray and say, I open the door. Come on. I open the door to you, Jesus. I'm letting you in, Jesus. I'm letting you in. I'm letting you in, Jesus. The door has been opened, Lord. Come in and dine with me. Come in, Lord, and have communion with me. Come in and change me. Make me different. Come in, Lord, and use me for your glory. Come in, Lord. Come in, Lord. Hallelujah. Come in and make me zealous and passionate again. Come in, Lord. And God, ignite the fire in me and the fervency in me, God. And and use me for your glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do it in me. Do it in me. I open the door, Lord. Come in and celebrate, Lord. And be glorified. Be glorified, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. All for his glory. Come on, clap for the Lord right now. Come on, come on, clap, clap, clap. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.